the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Hello, everyone, and welcome in here to the Friday Walkthrough. I'm Cole Carmody alongside Monty Spiller. We are back. It is week two of the college football season. Kansas State gets a win over SEMO, 45 to nothing. Next up is Troy. We're going to talk about that. But first, we want to let you know we are sponsored by our good friends at Booth Creek Wagyu. Remember to elevate your tailgate this season with our friends from Booth Creek Wagyu. Their ranch is located just north of Manhattan and proudly raises authentic Wagyu beef from farm to table. Visit their retail locations in Manhattan and Overland Park or online at boothcreekwagyu.com. Well, Monty, like we said, 45 nothing for the Cats over SEMO. Wasn't a lot that went wrong for Kansas State. There was a lot that went right. Yeah, I'm not surprised about the 45-0 score. Honestly, I was hoping more of a 52, 55, 57-0 score, but I'll take it. A win is a win. Uh, you know, considering all the games that went on in week one, there were some upsets. There were some close games. Um, there was a lot of blowouts as well, mm-hmm. but, hey, I'll take a win. Texas State beating Baylor was in the Big 12 was obviously a, a huge upset. Yeah. A good win for Texas State in that program. Wyoming knocking off Texas Tech. I don't think anybody saw that coming. So, yeah, Saturday kind of proved that it's college football and anything can happen. That's going to be big for K-State going into this game against Troy, which we'll talk about in the second half. But I, I want to get your thoughts about this game against SEMO, um, specifically on the offensive side of the football first. Will Howard, 297 yards through the air, was 6-for-6. Six six. The first touchdown, we said... <laughs> Whoever guesses the first touchdown correctly will get a shout-out. I'm sorry we had over like 30 comments, but nobody got it correctly. I don't think anybody on this face of the earth would have guessed Jaden Jackson to score the first touchdown for Kansas State. He got the start. He got the first touchdown. That really set the tone for Kansas State, didn't it? Yeah, it it did. It's okay to be wrong, too, by the way, because we both were wrong as well. But no, it set the tone. It's one of those things where I was excited to see Will actually have time in the pocket, uh, sling the ball around a little bit. People, uh, the general public wants to see us, and say us, K-State in mid-season form right away. And that's not going to happen. You know, the the O-line had struggles early at some point, but they never wavered. They continued to do what they did. And once we got rolling, we looked like the K-State that we expected to see early in the season. But the offense looked really good. Yeah, for being week one, you could tell that there was a little bit of rust, but Mm -hmm. they were clicking on all cylinders for the most part. After that first drive, K-State got really comfortable. It felt like a continuation of last year. It did not feel like they, they had lost the pieces that they did. It felt like they put those shoes back on. They went to work. Uh, DJ Giddens had an outstanding game, over 100 yards rushing. I mean, he was just a step or two away from breaking some really, really long runs. I can specifically remember he stepped out of bounds on one of them. Um, I was really impressed with DJ. Yeah, you know, I got accustomed to watching DJ last year, and what I saw from him, he ran people over. Mm-hmm. He was physical. He was a finisher. He was a third down guy. But uh, past Sat- this past Saturday, he showed his speed, you know, and I'm not sure how much he's weighing. He looks more fit. I'm not saying mm-hmm. he looks thinner, but he looks more fit than he did last year. But we know as you get another year in the program, another year of weights, you're going to get bigger, stronger, faster. But he showed that he has that second-level speed. If he get outside on the edge or breaks through a hole, he can get it up and go. And and not just him, but Treshawn Ward, too. Yes. There was some moves that it, it's hard not to think about Deuce Vaughn with the way <laughs> Treshawn Ward ran the football. Only 11 carries for just almost 60 yards. Um, 
that's going to change. I have a yeah, feeling yeah. that he is going to get, uh, as Chris Kleiman likes to say, the lion's share of the reps here pretty soon. Uh, both of those guys had an outstanding game, but Treshawn Ward is, is so shifty. He is, and it's one of those things where we – we wanted to like him to Deuce going into the season because last year we had so much success with Will, with DJ, and with Deuce. And now uh, Mr. Ward, Treshawn, being in there, he can kind of fit that piece that we lost with Deuce. And that's what most people want to see because we had so much success with that. But also, I'm kind of interested to see because, as you saw, Colin opened up the playbook mm, a little bit, not a whole lot. But I'm kind of see what they can do with him as we go against Troy and Missouri and other teams throughout the season. But I think they kind of kept his – his play selection limited because we don't want to show our hand early, but he showed what he can do, but I feel like he's capable of a lot more. He definitely is, and it's good you brought up Colin Klein because that's where I wanted to go next. <laughs> you know, we've talked about how, you know, the Bill Snyder way of thinking is save your plays and, and don't show your hand too early. I think Colin Klein is the opposite of that. They're going to throw all these trick plays with Treshawn Ward and and the pass to yeah. Will Howard, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Now any time that Treshawn Ward gets the ball on a handoff – near the goal line on a counter play and Will Howard jogs out, the defense has to be accountable for him. It's almost like Colin Klein is saying, here, we can do this. We are going to be able to do this if we want. So you have to waste five minutes of practice time on it when we're working on something else. Absolutely. And we may or may not use that play ever again this year. But like you said, if you're Division One, Division Two college, I don't know where you're at. If you're a college coach, you're watching film, you have to prep for everything. Just like some offenses, when they score extra point, they line up in the swinging gate, mm-hmm. you know, when they run it, probably not, but that forces you to take time of prepare, preparation. Rather, you could be focused on something else, take five minutes, ten minutes out of, out of your practice plan to get ready for this, and it's great coaching. It is, and I know we're talking about K-State, but you brought up the swing of gate. If anybody watched Colorado <laughs> and TCU, yes. every extra point, they ran a similar version of that, and mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. kicked the extra point every time, but there is going to come a time where they decide to go for two, and you know they play Nebraska this week. They're going to have to work on Absolutely. that. You never know Absolutely. when you'll be able to, to break those trick plays out, but yeah, I thought the offensive line at times was a little shaky, um, but I also think that's just a product of rotating so many guys in there. I think in the first half alone, they played six or seven guys, and um, we know Connor Riley likes to do that, mm-hmm. but between starting Cooper Beebe at left guard, he then moved to right tackle, goes to left tackle too. You know, you've got some flexibility in there, but it, they had to work through some things. Yeah, of course. And people don't realize, even though we're a veteran group at the O-line and we we have tape of CMO from the year before, but they have different personnel. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know what they're going to present. And and as far as a defense, it's easier to prep as a defense because you can dictate what you want to do. Offense, you have to basically adjust to what's being given at you in some instances. And CMO ran a lot of stunts. They gave a, a lot of different looks. They ran an odd front and even front. They walked guys up. So K-State O-line had to adjust on the fly. And as the game went on, the communication got better and they picked up the stunts a lot easier and they opened holes. But early, C- Timo gave us a little bit of problems because we hadn't seen it. But once we make adjustments, the coaches up top see things, they communicate, they were fine. But that's one thing our O-line did a really good job of. Yeah, they adjusted very well as the game went on. But you mentioned the only mistake of the night for the offense and Will Howard came on a Will Howard interception. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you ask Will, he'll he'll probably tell you he shouldn't have thrown that ball. But he got hit as he was throwing. The defensive end slanted on the inside of Carver Willis. He was expecting him to go out. They ran a little stunt where the linebacker went out, the defensive end. Um, 
caved inside and and beat him across his face, which uh, as a big no-no as an offensive lineman, yes. never want to get beat inside. Uh, but he did, and we'll throw the interception. But again, that's the kind of learning experience for a guy like Carver Willis, who is filling in for Christian Duffy. Mm-hmm. His time will come at K-State. Yeah. Now, granted, he did not go back out there after that happened. They put <laughs> BB back out at right tackle. But his time will come at Kansas State, and that is a moment that he will be able to learn from. Absolutely. You know, in K-State, in recent history, has had a lot of success with playing young guys early in games. You know, a lot of times in my era, if we were up on somebody 50-something to nothing, fourth quarter with four minutes to go, then we got a <laughs> shot. <laughs> times have changed. Mm-hmm. Now we're uh, up in the third quarter by 21. Coach, Even the second quarter, coach are playing guys, uh, sec- a group of second guys, not just one or two guys here, a group of them, and get, allowing them to get some quality minutes and developing them for the future. And when this line we have now graduates, there'll be guys that step in with game experience and not miss a beat and to be just as good if not potentially better. And that's exactly why you get those players' experience. K-State finished the game with 77 players seeing the field. That's awesome. It is so cool. From walk-ons to true freshmen to everybody in between, being able to get that many players in the game is such a healthy thing for your program. You mentioned guys getting experience, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Avery Johnson. (laughs) The true freshman from Mays, Kansas, comes in, um, puts up, pretty good numbers but right. I think his play just got people excited what'd you see from Avery it's funny because um it was doing a media timeout um I was at the game with my youngest son and we sit on the west side and so we could see him warming up uh he was warming up with a, a couple of receivers and uh Rubley as well Rubley had his helmet off and so I nudged my boy and I said like, hey I think Avery's going in and and so he gets on the phone he calls his boys <laughs> and they're on the other side of the stadium hey Avery's going in so all of a sudden they got a text message going but I was excited to see the crowd yeah. when he came in and it was like one of those things where it gave me goosebumps because I'm excited for the young man and I'm excited for the future of K-State mm-hmm. you know I want Will to do well and, and, and I look forward to having Will here his senior year and to finish out on a high note but I'm excited about him and when he got in he looked like a vet there was no panic he saw things slowly everything moved in front of him uh, he, when the pocket broke down he knew what to do he didn't like to run right away I'm excited for that man. He didn't look like a true freshman. No, he did not. He didn't look like a true freshman. And and we'll have plenty of time to discuss the future, but... you know, the way that the team was able to dominate on Saturday was super encouraging. Yes, yes. In- included in that domination was Kansas State pitching a shutout. Yes. Two straight opening game shutouts for Joe Klinerman's defense. That's really impressive because a lot of the times, like we say, it's not easy to come out, out of the gate and be super sharp, but... They were. And Marquis Siegel, a guy we talked a lot about on the preview show, was suspended um, for the first game of the season. So Colby McAllister, a redshirt freshman, comes in at safety, performed super well. And just the amount of guys that they were able to rotate in, uh, it, it was really impressive on the defensive side. It is. And I don't think people realize how difficult it is to, sh- to get a shutout in today's college football. You know, back in the day when you were FBS, D1 school, uh, guys couldn't compete with that. But not everybody. The FCS schools um, has – like potential NFL talent mm-hmm. across the board, just as much as the FBS schools. And, and if you can shut a team out, keep them from getting a field goal. Yeah. That says a lot about your defense. And, and like, like Casey, like I say, that mob mentality, uh, they take pride in it. And whenever you can get a shutout, that's, that speaks volumes about the direction your defense is going in. I don't even think Simo was in range for a field goal. No. I mean, there was never a time, maybe in the fourth quarter, where they went for it instead of kicking a field goal to yeah. make it, you know, 40 instead of it was 45 nothing at the time to make it 45 to three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the defense, it was, it was workmanlike because you look up 
at the stat sheet and Gino Hess, the, the running back for SEMO, who is an All-American, mm-hmm. wins their Heisman Award at the FCS level, has negative four yards rushing. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about how the team had negative rushing yards, but a lot of that has to do with sacks, right? right yeah. But when you hold their running back to negative yards rushing, that to me was the most impressive stat of the game. That says a lot. I'm glad you, you talked about that because the D-line, the linebackers, and the secondary, they all play physical. You know, whenever they try to get the edge, we had cornerbacks coming up, setting the edge. They weren't just making tackles. They were physical tackles, you know. And it's one of those things where uh, as the game went on, you could see SEMO players kind of jogging back to the huddle, shaking their head like, I can't get the edge mm-hmm. or there's no gap there and, like, do something different. So the defense kept that – mentality and kept that intensity from jump and so that was good to see all the linebackers that rotated in i was fascinated Man, by daniel green well. didn't record a tackle but it's not because he didn't play well it's just because he didn't have to play he didn't that have much. to yeah i mean it, it felt like the defense treated this like an nfl preseason game yeah. they're going to play their starters they're going to get them as many quality reps as they needed to but they wanted to evaluate some of this younger talent and i asked chris Kleiman after the game how important is it to get actual game reps as opposed to just practice reps not to get those guys ready, but to evaluate mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And he's and he just point blank said that that is the most important evaluation tool. It is because some guys, what we, we used to call uh, practice player All-Americans, some guys look great in practice, but game time they don't shine. Mm-hmm. And some guys look okay in practice, but when the lights come on, they're ballers. And, you know, and that's what you want to see as a coach. Can I trust this guy in a real game situation when the game's on the line and we need him if our, if our starter can't go? Can I trust this guy? And that's what you want. And then allow K-State to get some guys that can play ball and say hey you know what as the season goes on injuries are going to occur guys gonna get tired i can trust this guy 12 true freshmen in total offense and defense got into the game i want to ask you about the the secondary um jacob parish will lee the first time those two guys played together mm-hmm. going up against two really good receivers from semo i thought they held their own i thought specifically jacob parish was targeted a lot on saturday mm-hmm. and he didn't hardly let up anything it was impressive to watch jacob i was I, I joked about that i said i don't know if college football has changed but jacob played like he was nfl because he was hands on mm-hmm. every time they went to his side five years down the field he had the guy locked up it wasn't like press and release he was like i'm pressing you into the sideline you are not getting off this jam good luck on that and they kept going back to him and he continued to shut him down so kudos to him i'm excited for him he's he's playing like a a third year veteran rather than a a second year guy who Mm -hmm. played sparingly last year he's playing confident and anytime van malone raves about somebody like he raves about jacob Parrish, you got to feel confident and it, it was on display on Saturday. And you got to give Jordan Wright and someone, like we mentioned, Colby McAllister, guys yeah. who hadn't played hardly at all. If any game reps last year come on and play a ton of snaps on Saturday, and they really played well. I mean, those are that is a solid receiving core. We talked about Simo's strength was on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Again, to pitch a shutout, I don't care who it's against. Yeah. It is impressive, and it is only going to bode well for the future. It will, and it's a confidence bo- booster. And it's something that you want to – uh, go for every game. I know it's not realistic, but if you can go into a game with a shutout, you I mean, coming out with shutout, that's what you want to go for. No matter who's in, first, second, or third teamers, you want the shutout. It's a pride thing. Anybody who plays defense understands that you want a shutout. Yep. Then no doubt about that. As we wrap up this first half, I want to say if you're still watching this video, make sure you leave a like. Drop me your score prediction for Saturday. 
Score prediction for Saturday. If you are right, the closest person. We want to give shout-outs. We couldn't give a shout-out this week. We want to give shout-outs. Drop a comment. Closest one. We will shout you out on the next episode. But before we get to the next episode, we got to get to the next week, and that is the Troy Trojans out of the Sun Belt. We will preview that game when we come back on Friday Walkthrough. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in here to the Friday Walkthrough. Cool Carmody alongside Monty Spiller. We are sponsored by Booth Creek Wagyu. Make sure you get in, shop all of their freshly raised local product, get you some beef. The K-State beef is set to get back in action on Saturday. The offensive line is going to have a good test against Troy. We'll talk about the offensive line and much more. So let's just go ahead and dive into this. Troy, winners of 12 in a row, Sun Belt champions coming into Manhattan for an 11 a.m. kick. K-State currently a 16.5-point favorite. Um, I'm a little interested and surprised by that line. I didn't think it would be that much. This Troy team is a really good team. I think the powers that be that made that, made that line is kind of sleeping on Troy or giving K-State way too much credit. But uh, I'm with you. The Sun Belt Conference is a tough conference, and if you can win that conference, that, that says a lot. You know what I mean? You got Marshall, Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. some dogs in that conference. So I am not taking them for granted. I know K-State's not taking them for granted. And I want to prep our fans. Don't, you know, early in the game, if it's a close game, don't panic, man, because it's to be expected. Now, if we get ahead, great, but don't panic if it's a close game going into the second quarter because they're a quality team. Chris Kleiman talked about it at the press conference, and a lot of it can maybe just be attributed to coach speak, but he said he anticipates this to be a four-quarter game. Yeah. I, I mean, agree. the thing about Troy, right, you're located down there in Alabama. You get a lot of the kids who are under-recruited by the SEC schools. Mm-hmm. They're from SEC country, but for whatever reason, they just kind of slip under the radar, but then they get into a program like Troy, mm-hmm. and they do develop and they turn into SEC caliber players. The, it's the same thing that happens at K-State when K-State recruits underdeveloped, under-recruited players, I should say. So yeah, this Troy team is super talented and and we'll just go ahead and, and start off with the running back. Kamani Vital, 248 yards last week in a 48-30 win over Stephen F., Stephen F. Austin last season for the Trojans. He had over 1,100 yards. The running back situation for Troy is really good. Um, but again, we saw that last week with Geno Hess and Simo. K-State does a really good job at stopping the run, but Troy is going to be able to score. It's going to be a matter of can K-State A, keep up and limit how, how much um, that Troy gets into the end zone? Yeah, Troy has a history of playing the big boys, as we like to say before, uh, conference game starts. Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong, Manhattan is a great environment. I know the bill will be rocking for the 11 a.m. game, but I don't think Troy will be intimidated. Now, it's going to be a situation where if we get up early on them, we can kind of get the emotion going and get that vibe going. But we need to understand they're going to be a quality team coming in. And, and you said the running back had 248 yards. I don't think people realize how hard that is to do yeah. at any level. Yeah. 248 yards is a lot of yards. So that speaks a lot about that running back. Now, on less than 25 carries, too. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, Vital is going to be um, definitely itching for another one of those performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to note about this Troy team, too. They scored 48 points. They won by 18 playing Stephen F. Austin. But they had four turnovers, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So think about how many more opportunities they would have had to score the ball. Now, how much does that say about Stephen F. Austin's 
defense, yeah, probably a lot, right? Yeah, this is an FCS school, um, not as good as SEMO by all accounts, but you know, still a program in Texas. So uh, again, there's good football players everywhere. Yeah. Um, but again, this Troy team, the offense is their calling card. They've got a fourth-year starter at quarterback in Gunnar Watson. Um, last season, though, he is turnover-prone. Had 12 interceptions in 14 games, so he will give you the ball. He did throw an interception last week. To me, if K-State wants to be in this game, if they want to pull away in this game, I should say, it's going to start on the defensive side. You're right. I expect K-State, K-State excuse me, to bring a lot more pressure this week. Last week, they kept it pretty vanilla. They brought some uh, pressure, four-man pressure at time, but I expect Coach Klanderman to dial up some blitz packages to have a little different personnel in there. We'll probably be heavier up front because they are a run-heavy team, so we want more beef up there. But I think K-State is going to dial up some pressure and, and put the pressure on that quarterback knowing that he is turnover-prone. But also, I feel like our depth is going to come in, come into play. You know, um, it won't be particularly hot, but I feel like uh, if it's an umtipo game like K-State can do, uh, I don't know if they have enough depth to keep up with us late in the game mm-hmm. and for us to pull away late. Well, that's the thing about those group of five schools. You might have 22 really good players, but it's the drop-off in the depth that yeah. separates them from the Power Five teams, and I think that's where K-State has the real advantage. Like you said, uh, you talked about the beef. Uso should be back fully healthy. <laughs> yes. um, when he was in on Saturday, he was a difference maker, yes. and getting that big nose guard back up in the middle is massive for this team. No Jake Clifton. Chris Kleiman said he was doubtful the backup linebacker was injured uh, in the second half we don't think it's too serious but that's why you have depth there and so we'll see guys like Asa Newsom and even Austin Romaine another true freshman get some reps I'm just very interested to see the speed of Troy because we, we have a great idea that their skill position players are going to be up to par but it's the interior, the offensive and the defensive line. I think that's where K-State's going to have an advantage. I agree 100%. Starting with the offensive line, I know Troy has athletic defensive guys. The DNs are more slim guys, mm-hmm. not little guys, but they're not the big, big, big 12, not the SEC type. And, and yeah, you can be great on pass rush, but K-State can run the ball too. So you want to pass rush, just try to speed us up, fine. We'll hit the middle and, and roll you down. So I think that part, we should have the advantage. And D-line-wise, we have so much depth on D-line. Especially on the outside, our DNs are, are so athletic, and and one rolls in, and he's just as good as the one that got that came out. So I look for us to dominate on both sides of the ball from the D line and O line aspect. And Troy likes to play fast. I mean, you don't score forty eight points without playing fast, but something that might impact this year, and, and fans may or may not have noticed on Saturday, mm-hmm. but the clock situation. Yes. The clock does not stop after a first down. Uh, it's more the NFL style this year. They said on average, and shout out to uh, the. Power, Go Power Cat Questions podcast for this tidbit of information. 7% uh, of the game is it's a 7% shorter this year. So it cuts off, um, you know, about ah, 12 plays or so, yeah. um, which is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, when you're a visiting team who is an underdog, mm-hmm. you want to try and slow the game down and, you know, maximize your possessions. It almost kind of favors the favorite yeah, in a yeah. situation like this. We'll see how fast K-State goes. But, again, when you're in a situation like this going up against a team who is a 16-point underdog, they're going to try and use every single little thing to their advantage. I agree. And I think um, they have to because if you look back at K-State's history before we became a household name, before we were favored in games, we had to use that strategy. Mm-hmm. We had to go into other people's places. And if we got a lead, slow it down. You know, kill the clock. Let's get out of here with the victory. And now we're on the other side where we have the talent to put up numbers and score fast and score often. So we should know what to expect from that. But on on another subject, I'm looking forward to – because last week 
uh, RJ Garcia was the, mm. the man, mm-hmm. and, and, and and a few other guys were key contributors. But I feel like I got a feeling somebody else this week on both sides of the ball yep. is going to shine. Mm-hmm. And and I got a feeling um, my man Senate uh, gonna have a day because I don't think Troy has a linebacker or a safety that can handle him. No, and, and that's a great point. I'm going there next. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, this Troy team, again, skill position-wise, corners, safeties, yeah. pretty solid. Receivers, running back, solid. But you get into the, the linebacking core and the defensive line, again, that just favors the tight end. Do they have a linebacker that can run with Ben Sennett? And probably not. Now, maybe they have some corners that can run with K-State's receivers, but that's why Ben Sennett is such a difference maker is mm-hmm. because he can get out there against a safety – and out physical them. He can get, if you put a linebacker on him, he can slip in a route like he did against Simo and still make the catch. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, you're right, I think he's poised to have a really big game. So let's talk about that offense a little bit. Uh, Troy, base three man front. They have an overhang um, that kind of was what Missouri did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so K State will be seeing the similar defenses in back to back weeks, which I think is maybe an underrated thing yeah. um, if you're the offense. But, um, yeah, I think that a guy like Ben Sennett is going to have a big game. But I just see K-State running the heck out of the ball this week. I agree. When you come come up against a team like K-State that has a great O-line, that has, has several backs in the backfield and tight ends that can run the ball, that can act as a tight end or an H-back, mm-hmm. and, and you go a 30-front, three-man front, that – the advantage of the O-line. And so basically what K-State should do and probably will do is we're going to run the ball until you adjust. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have to get out of that three-man front and go to a four-man front or walk somebody up to, to, to counter what we're doing. And at that point, we're going to hit you over top. So K-State's in the favor. It's so hard when you're trying to defend this K-State team because mm-hmm. last year with Adrian Martinez, it was it was more obvious what K-State wanted to do. They wanted to run the ball. They had Adrian. They had Deuce. Right. That was the bread and butter. Well, you mentioned R.J. Garcia, a guy gets over 100 yards receiving. Um, then you got a guy like Jaden Jackson who pops off for two big plays. You can try and defend the run, but then K-State's just going to go play action. And if you're going to play a single high safety or if you're going to go man up across the board, it's going to be a long day because those <laughs> receivers are good enough to yeah. beat you. So K-State's offense is in a really good spot. And, and and I understand, you know, teams change defenses and change schematics from week to week, but they're not going to overhaul their defense no. just to go up against K-State. Um, it, it works for them, but it might not work against K-State simply because, A, how physical they are in the trenches – and be the speed and, and playmaking ability that the receivers have on the outside. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. You know, they're not going to change what they do because you are who you are. And they, they build their defense around their conference. Their conference likes to throw, throw the ball around a lot. Mm-hmm. They got guys that can go get it. So they have to play more uh, skilled guys on the back end. So that removes one of the guys up front. So they have a three-man front. But for a game like this, they can make adjustments. But like, like you said, like I said, they're not going to change everything they do for one game. You know, and every game matters. But you got to look at it this way. We're going on the road. They're coming on the road to mm-hmm. K-State. Could potentially upset a top 25 school, but are we going to change what we do and, and get away from what we do and not be good at it for one week? Or are we going to continue to do what we do? Hopefully we can adjust on the fly and continue to get better going into our conference. That's what's going to happen. And I think that plays into K-State's hand. So I'm excited for the opportunity for us. And and I think another thing that plays into K-State's hand is what happened last year, right? You, you go yeah. up against Tulane. Nobody expected that to happen. I think the line was actually pretty similar to what it is on Saturday, but nobody anticipated that to happen with K-State, including the players. And they can sit here and tell you, oh, we didn't overlook them. And, and I, I agree that they didn't overlook them, but I don't think they expected them to be that good. 
good. No, there's I'll, a difference no. between overlooking that and expecting. Nobody expected them. They beat Caleb Williams and USC yeah. in the Cotton Bowl, so that was a really good team. There's no way that they, now. Case, I'm not saying K State is going to just destroy Troy, walk all over him, and it's going to be an easy win. But I don't see them only putting up seven or ten points or whatever the score was last year. K State will be more focused. They will be more locked in. And I think the results will show that at the end of the game. Yeah, I agree. And like you said at the beginning, I expect uh, to see our starters uh, deep into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there'll be rotation and guys giving guys breaks, but I don't see a whole a, a household sale, I mean, a, a wholesale changeover from guys in position because we're up 21 points. I, I expect us to be in that game from start to end with a lot of our starters uh, getting ready for the following week, but I'll be surprised if Troy doesn't show up and give us a fight that we expect to have. So they Again, you, you play these teams that are rooted from SEC territory and mm-hmm. they're used to playing and Troy played Ole Miss last year yeah. it was one of their only losses they beat UTSA it was the only one of the only ranked bowl games which mm-hmm. is just amazing to think about and they ended up winning that game against UTSA but they're going to be ready to play I, I think K-State will also be ready to play but it's going to be a fun game I, I'm really interested to see how K-State comes out because if they come out with a lot of energy and they jump on them early we've seen K-State put away games early mm-hmm. and if they do jump on them it wouldn't surprise me if they just they put the hammer down. No, I agree. And I think K-State, coach, our coaching staff is phenomenal, man. They don't get enough credit. They've got some recognition over the years as individuals. But as a whole, our coaching staff understands the task at hand, and they continue to get those guys ready. And, and I feel like we, we're, not, we're still not a big-name product uh, compared to some other schools, which I'm fine with that too. But I, if our coaching staff was at UT, they would be – all of them will be all world coaches mm-hmm. because because of the name UT. But because I'm glad they're here with us. But what I want to look at too is a lot of fans. Like the first home home last week's game was packed because it's the first game of the season, night game. You know it is what it is. That's I, football season is here. I'm gonna shout out to the fans, those out there listening, watching. Show up. Mm-hmm. I know it's an eleven o'clock game. I know Troy is not a household name, but show up because we need all the fans there. Because we need to, they're gonna have, we're gonna have to get loud, and we're gonna we're gonna need you guys to be there because the boys need your back. Because it's not gonna be an easy task. So be there Saturday morning. Get ready to rock, please. Very well said, Mr. Spiller. Let's go ahead and get with the predictions uh, for this episode. Only going to do scores. Don't have any crazy, wild uh, first touch. We're not messing with that, man. We, no. we were, But we were so wrong. We don't need to be wrong twice. Um, I see you're thinking over there, yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and go first. I do think this will be a fairly close game. I'm going to say 21 to 10 at halftime. Okay. Um, I, at halftime. At halftime. And it's going to finish 31-13. Okay. So okay. I got 31-13 K-State. If for, for you gamblers out there, you're going to be sweating the cover. I do think K-State covers, but I'll say 31-13 simply because I think K-State runs the ball a little bit more. It's a little bit harder to make those big plays. Troy's going to play deep. I I think they're going to try and take away the big play after what happened last week. So 31-13, K-State. I like that. I like that. I'm going to go a little bit higher on both ends. I'm going to go 45-17 just because I know Troy uh, is – uh, apt to turn the ball over, and mm-hmm. I think it will give us short fields where we can uh, score fast. So I'm saying 45 17 cats. There you go. You heard our predictions. Make sure you leave your score prediction in the comment the closest to the score. We'll get a shout out on next week's show. Thanks everybody so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Friday.